Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, it's time for lulls. No guests, no frills, no topics. Just Brick and I raw dogging it for 60 minutes. Let's go. I, does he think... I it's think he thinks go. this He thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. <laughs> Type in one for yes, two for no. Let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bust. Please, Please don't do bust. On second thought, saying Brick and I raw dog in it for 60 minutes probably isn't the best cold open. No, I was going to start by like unzipping my, okay, <laughs> when in Rome. Every This is where you got to write in the chat, uh, pause, pause. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Brian? You're looking metaphorically. for your hat. Yeah. Metaphorically raw dogging it. Um, I had I had a, I, something to talk about right uh, right before you said raw dog. Now I can't and remember. It just completely <laughs> threw it out the window for you. Completely out the window for me. Oh yeah, I and I got to apologize. I I fat fingered the uh, the start time for the live stream for so everyone was here a half hour early. I, I tap into Streamyard and it's just like the discourse is popping. People are talking about Tank Dell's practice status. I mean, we're talking about you know coding and Sims in here. I mean, the, you know they all handled themselves fine without us for thirty minutes. I didn't even not even see that. I, that's actually what I wanted to talk about. Those uh, ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah, what, what's that- going on with uh? chat gpt for you well i i've just been using a lot lately i don't know if you saw i put up ownership and um uh actual projections last week for the nfl because i'm messing with chat gpt all day coming up with my own stuff yeah and uh i don't know i mean we i mean if they're talking about it in chat maybe we should talk about it here like no, I, I, I know you're messing with it too i don't know how much but not not extensively um i am i'm I'm curious though what what kind of stuff you're doing with it because i know you've been you've been using it since it initially launched i mean we did a show about it because it came out isn't it like on the one year anniversary because it was right about when april was born and i kind of missed the initial wave everyone was like having fun doing the memes and that was like about this time last year right was it has it been has it been that long i, I can't been a year yeah time has no meaning to me anymore pete <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So what have you been, what kind of new stuff have so you been the doing? The 4.0, I, I thought was a pretty significant increase. I don't know. There's a couple like directions I want to like go with this. One is just like the overall AI talk in the world, right? About, about regulation and what we should do with it. And then also just like actually using it. Um, I guess we could start with like actually using it is uh, I thought the 4.0 was a significant increase the 3.5 I thought was annoying. Like, like it wouldn't, it doesn't remember the conversation very well. Uh, you know, it's not very, I don't know, bright or whatever. Yeah. Um, 4.0 I thought was a, a big upgrade. And also I could search the internet now. Um, so just like my Googling has like decreased dramatically. I wonder if anyone else does the same thing. Like just go to chat GPT now. Like yeah. it's just so much easier than looking at the first, you know, four ads on Google and some bullshit sites that they're promoting, you know, like right. it takes you a while to get to a real general answer that all you're looking for, for a lot of topics. So it's pretty useful for that. Uh, for, for coding, it's pretty, pretty solid. Now you have to have a, still have to have a base of, like you know like python or r something like one thing you kind of got to know a little bit like how to st- like like at least how to start it and where things go and stuff like that uh otherwise it's just it's not going to work for you and yeah. then 
like statistics and stuff like that, you also need that base too, like on how things work and what's a regression and like, how could you improve on a regression and uh, what, what the numbers mean and how to adjust them and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's nowhere near this doomsday level, um, you know, prophecy that a lot of people are talking about, like they are a long way off. What a, well, we, we got to talk about because we haven't even had a chance to discuss some of the uh, the craziness with the open AI stuff and Sam Altman leaving, coming back. And then did I see something, and I, I, I haven't dug into it enough, but it was like part of the reason for all of this controversy there was they had stumbled upon like some crazy advanced AI technology and Sam Altman's like wanting to push things too fast and some people want to play it more conservative is that how you understand it basically i I also like kind of thought the board members were part of like the effective altruism community and so like i guess there's some division um and after that this little episode the effective altruism uh uh people are starting to freak me out a little bit like i thought it was (laughs) listening to them in the beginning and hearing some of their ideas but now it's like maybe some people should get these these people under control um but i mean has it has any community taken a worse PR hit, you know, between Sam Bankman Freed and Sam Altman? It's like, man, effective altruism, they need to hire a new PR guy. Yeah, or maybe, you know, just let's not use those people in these bots anymore if we can. Um <laughs> uh the the I like the division, I guess, is like some of them are accelerationists and some of them are um regulationists or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the word is because the accelerations are if you want to do the maximal good for humanity, you want to do this in the quickest amount of time. And the other side's the exact opposite. If you don't want to doom humanity to whatever this could become, we want to slow it down and regulate it at um you know the the optimal percentage. And I guess that was another part of them butting heads. Where do you where do you fall on that as far as like do you want to see like regulations in place and to make sure that there's kind of check marks with this AI stuff. So it doesn't just, you know, unfurl unchecked. Or are you kind of like, Hey, free market, let everyone play and, and see what the fuck happens. Well, where do you think I stand, Pete? Um, I, Brian, let me just ask a question for the audience <laughs> that you're a libertarian again. Well, I'm not really a libertarian, but um, that's neither here nor there. The, uh, the, the, the problem is like, who's going to regulate it? Like, you know, as soon as Elon like came out with his own AI, I, don't, I haven't tried it. I don't know if you guys have tried that Grok yet, but Mm-mm. as soon as he came out with it, I'm like, I'm like, okay, no wonder he's so fucking interested in regulation of AI because he wants in p- his piece of it. I mean, I mean, I don't know that's cynical and I like Elon generally speaking, but like, it's like, oh, you think this thing's so dangerous, but yet, you know, you're going to release your own your own models too. Like you're not that, you're not that scared of it. Are you Elon? And so like regulation always turns out to benefit like a small group of people who are actually profit from it. it the, uh, do you think, do, like, do you honestly think like Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi, et cetera, are capable of uh, understanding this stuff much less like actually regulating, even if they were, like they can't even understand crypto when that stuff right. is getting give the, 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 yeah. <laughs> give me a fucking break, you know. Like a Sam Bankman Fried will come in and, and woo him once again easily, you know. Like, and that yeah. wasn't even how the system works. That was like slightly that was partially how it works, but like I mean, give me give, so I have no faith in them regulating anyways. And let, okay, let's say they do regulate it. You think that's gonna stop China, you know, or some dude in his basement? Like it's <laughs> You know, I mean, give me a break. Well, it's like nuclear weapons, right? Where everyone says we want these regulations and these, you know, check marks in place, but then secretly everyone's developing, you know, the yeah, best thing they can. But you don't need uranium or anything. Right, yeah. You could do it in your basement. Yeah. Like uh, there'll be like, people literally doing it in their basement in America, even with regulations. So um, I have absolutely no faith in it. Like, yeah, if you yeah. could guarantee me that they would s- scale it to a way that it wouldn't become self-destructive across the world forever sure sign me up but that's never gonna yeah. that's never gonna fucking happen so yeah. I, I think it's inevitable um i'm I, i'm not even i'm not even like a doomsayer like i, I if you use and first of all chat gpt um chat gpt is not 
an AI. It's a language model. It's like not anywhere near sentient or anything like that. Right. Of course. But isn't the no one no one's actually saying that. They're just saying it could get there at this trajectory maybe quicker than people would think. I think they're propaganda uh, propagandizing the masses to think it is. Yeah. I don't think a lot of the people who are like, I don't think Elon thinks that. But he's not like going out there making the huge distinction. Like, slow guys, slow down. Let's not let's not be uh, hyperbolic here. This is a language model. This is uh, like a machine learning. It's closer than that than AI. Yeah. Right? Why isn't he? Why aren't they any of those guys saying that? Because that doesn't benefit the narrative to get regulation to get your piece. Yeah. So back back to the uh, the nuts and and bolts. You've been you've been using it to kind of build out a system for ownership projections. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a pain in, it's a pain in the ass, but it's, it's cool uh, spot for me specifically when you're in this middling skill level between someone who actually can code, but someone who's just kind of recreational and uh, but, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hire somebody to throw my 10 ideas at them and pay for all that for what, you know, like what gain do I get here? Um, right. Cause it might, might suck too. You know, there's a risk of yeah. that. And so uh, it works pretty nicely for me. Actually being a little bit better of a coder would, would be super beneficial, but you also have to have like understand gambling and DFS and statistics and stuff like that too. So it's a good spot for me to, to, to build a few things. And um I don't think they're that good right now, but I'm hoping this this latest one I fin- finish this week might be might be an improvement on the industry standard. Yeah, let me ask you about that because this week in particular, one of the big talking points was how far off NFL main slate ownership projections were. I could list off like 10 examples of when I was looking at them versus how it closed. And it seemed like it was across the board. As I understand it, the initial batch of most ownership projections are entirely algo driven, looking at optimals. What are the players that come up the frequent, uh, most frequent? And then some sites apply more of a massage and a finesse, maybe based on industry sentiment, steam, blah, blah, blah. And that's the, you know, more of an art than a science part of it. Like if you're trying to beat industry standard, what are, what are the special sausages that you're doing beyond just looking at, you know, what appears the most in 10,000 optimals or whatever? I only have like one special sauce right now and I'm not going to say it because yep. I think it's smart and people copy it. So, uh, okay. um, and I told you, I think I told you offline, so don't tell anybody. <laughs> we'll see if it is, it is predictive. I, you know, eventually maybe, uh, uh, maybe we could talk about it. I just want, you know, maybe we'll last a season or two if it's, if it's more, a little more accurate. Um, yeah. I mean, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, of course, was the way, way off on the projections, but like my first, my model that week was actually better. It was lower than the industry standard on Thomas. I think they're still up on my site, but my new model, uh, back testing would have had Thomas even higher. I think that, yeah. So I don't know. I don't get it. Um, uh, why, why it was so far off. I mean, the guy had, you know, what ahead if he, I think he had like 99 rushing yards. So he just missed the, uh, or whatever, yeah. just missed the, uh, I had a well, ton of them. Um, yeah. so it seemed like obviously it was a good play. People just didn't, it was strange. Well, where do you fall on that? Cause like, and I know blender falls in this camp. I think I do it to an extent. And one thing that's been very valuable to me and the people who are the YouTube members that watch my cram, you know, we do, I do informal polls in there and I'm like, which quarterback is your guys' favorite quarterback today? Which uh, tight end is your favorite play? And that has been far more directionally accurate than any ownership projection, specifically with quarterbacks. It's really helped me dial in on guys, you know, Josh Allen's going to be 20% and Hertz is going to be much lower, like big kind of shifts like that. And so that kind of my special sauce is like talking to a bunch of people who are playing what yeah. like, you don't strike me as someone that's going to like consume a ton of content and be like, I sure hear this guy being mentioned a lot. Let me go tweak my number. So that I am kind of curious how you're approaching the like soft science part of it. Well, it, uh, so I will give away the secret sauce. It scrapes the, um, the Posit kingdom, uh, chat and all blenders podcast and ship there chasing. And then <laughs> spit out number. Okay. 
There you go. There you have no, it. No, I, I, I like, I like, I like that strategy. I've talked to Blender about it, and uh, I, I mean, I just think you need to track it somehow because you're also often wrong. For sure. So, like, yeah, you, you know, we always recognize the hits and and forget about the misses, uh, right? Is human behavioralism. So, like, yeah, when you go, oh, I knew it. JTT was only going to be nineteen percent. I knew it. Um, but um, I, I mean. It, it, that is kind of what I'm trying to do a little more scientific way is, is, is where are they wrong? Um, and, and, you know, how big are those changes going to be? So I'm, I'm not doing a, bo- a full bottom up approach. Yeah. I think it's a way that's a waste of time. I think they do it pretty, pretty well. It is my characterization about how initial batch of ownership projections are done. Is that correct? It's just done by like, running thousands and thousands of optimals and seeing which players are showing up the most. I think they all have their own little uh, idiosyncratic like differences, but like that's how I, the way I used to do it when I, before the industry was doing it and before it got super popular was just um, a huge database of actual ownership with like variables I thought mattered. And then you could kind of manipulate those variables too, to kind of give you a better projection. And then, um, um, and then I would take like uh, uh, a, a fantasy cruncher thousand lineup run really quick and then take that, whatever that did on, you know, like a two unique, I'm just making shit up here. I can't remember what I was doing, you know, 30% randomness, two uniques. And then, then you add that. And then how much does that weigh into it too? You have to figure out how much or something like that goes. And um, I didn't, I didn't then do any manual shifts very often. Yeah, but if you have a team like ETR or Stochastic or whatever, like I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't use them and talk about it and then make changes as you go through the week too. So yeah, I think your description is probably exactly what happens. And I think Adam said that on his podcast. Yeah, exactly the way you described it. How much of you going down this rabbit hole is just like you're intellectually curious versus like, I do think there's a huge, huge edge if you could dial in ownership projections more. And I want to be on the cutting edge of that. I Well, I don't know about huge, huge edge, but it's not just ownership projections too, because I it, it's because chat GPT exists now and it didn't before. And, um, and Sims exist and they didn't before. And I think Sims make it, much harder to win and they're going to just get harder and harder. And so you have to do something. And I think the only thing you can really do is, well, a build a better sim, um, you know, uh, you know, and you could do that too. With is, is when chat GPT, you know, 8.0 or something might be able to just do something for you in a day, <clears throat> you know, that's better. But like leaving that aside, that's a lot of work. And I have my own ones too, but like they're very similar to the industry, maybe with a few things that I think are a little bit better depending on the yeah. sport. And and it depends on the sport too. Like NBA, I use SaberSim for NBA because um, uh, I didn't want to update my own. And yeah, because like NBA is so fast, like you, you don't want to break, you don't want it breaking. The late swap is really hard to do. Um, so like, there's reasons to not do that. But anyways, I, I think long story short, projections and ownership right now is pretty much the only thing you got to tighten up that you can get an edge. And projections is and, – and honestly, if you're doing the shows with all the best DFS players week in and week out, like they say the same shit, you know. They're not doing – they weren't doing what I was doing. So, like, that's a piece I probably needed. Uh, to do more of, and I did a lot better back in the day, probably because the competition was worse, but also I was making my own projections originally, make my own everything. Wait, wait, what are you saying that, that our guests and they're talking to the top TFS players, what are they doing? They're, they're basically, they're brain players. They're making their own projections. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, gotcha. one way or another, whether they're going input boosts, whether they're actually making projections, Um, you know, like, like Udo was on our show. How many times do we have him? Just once. And um, like a month and a half ago, two months ago. But then I I talked to on discord a decent amount and uh, uh, you know, people were like, he's not. And when he did Levitan's show, people were like, ah, he's not giving away the goods. He's, he's, he's not saying anything like what he's really doing. 
And after talking to him for quite a bit, no, that's really what he's doing. He's just like um, going in and making adjustments where he thinks, you know, he knows better um, and, and bullying the optimizer. Mm-hmm. And, and he's just better at it than everyone else. Yeah. <clears throat> so like all those things combined, I'm like, well, why not spend a couple hours a day? Um, but chat GPD sucks so bad. Honestly, it still sucks yeah. that it, it sometimes takes me four or five hours just to get like, just to get like one piece done. Yeah. You know, of like, cause it just breaks all the time. It forgets and it forgets the code and what you were even talking about. So what, let me ask you, what if I, I got to tell you like uh, an hour before lock on Sunday, I'm like, Brian, these these ownership projections are way off. Here's what Stefan Diggs is going to be. Here's what Jonathan Taylor is going to be. Here's what Derrick Henry would be. Would you just go adjust those ownership projections in your stuff and then rerun the sim? Or would you manually be like, hey, I want way more JT because he's actually coming in much lighter now? Or like, how would you actually use that information? That's a good question. Because that's never happened to me where someone... <laughs> I know, but someone gives me the, in there? Yeah. Gives me the goods. Um yeah, I would. It depends on what time. If it will give you an hour and a half, I'd redo it. Just all. came out. I'd redo it. it yeah, fifteen minutes. I'd probably be like, let's just let's just adjust a few of these lineups. Like that first week with Kyron. Yeah, did, did I say his name right this time? You got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just I just take a bunch of line. I should have just taken a bunch of lineups from from you know, the pool of ranked. Yeah. Line up some popped them in there. I didn't. Have you had, have you had a moment this year where you did any kind of like IKB finesse? Like say you saw a tweet from the coach speak index where he's looking at Sean McVay's track record. And you're like, you know what? They are going to saddle up Kyron Williams. Or you read a tweet where you're like, Debo is so much better versus zone. Have you had a moment at all like that where you've kind of manually finesse things because you're like, that's actually pretty compelling. <sighs> so it has to be from somebody else or I can't just no. do it myself. No, no, it could be yourself. I'm just saying oh, okay. where you intervened over just what the machines are doing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I do that. I do that quite a bit um, in NBA, but okay. um, in NFL I did last week, I dropped um, McBride. Uh, from the flex, I was getting a ton of them, and I don't know. I just don't think it was counting how many tight ends there was going to be in flex that last week. Um, plus, I just I'm just like I'm just sick of fucking McBride, you know. <laughs> I'm sick of yeah. having forty percent of McBride, so I, I I dropped him a bunch. But yeah, I do I do that stuff a lot more this this year. Um. NBA, uh, I think it's totally valuable to do, even though it's like the most predictive sport. Yeah. Um, to X out like bottom guys, like guys who are only right. in your lineup couple. I, I do that all the time. I don't know if anyone else does that, but I think it's that's totally valuable. If you look at these like pre-contest sims, now we're starting to talk about sims again, but um, pre I'm sorry, post lock contest sims where it analyzes how you did, you know, like this is what your ROI would have been if, if you played a thousand times, uh, that type of stuff. It's interesting to see, um, what your average, your median return is as opposed to your ROI, because I don't think a lot of people who don't play that much would understand your median return is negative. So like if your ROI is like, and this can vary, obviously, but if your ROI is 25%, an NBA, not even NFL, an NBA, which is pretty, a lot more stable, like you're going to, and you play the $15 fault, you're, you're probably expected to lose about 1100 on average every night at a 25% ROI. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, in the median. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. I find that... Uh, I don't know, reassuring and scary at the same time. <laughs> it's like, so like you could easily lose 30 grand, you know, uh, in yeah. 20 days or something. And 
What like this, this is totally normal the twenty five percent ROI. I think the tight end thing is actually a good thing to talk about because one, just the dynamics and the pricing of these slates lately, people have been getting lots of tight ends in the flex, both if you're running an optimizer, even when I've been messing, messing around with the solver Sims the previous week, just getting so many of the top graded lineups are double tight end and optimizers even come with settings that say, don't allow a tight end in the flex. Like it's so ingrained in us. But if the Sim is telling us that, because I would say in my head, I would be like, well, yeah, the tight end, the median projection is going to be higher than the players priced around it. But do they actually have the ceiling of some of those other wide receivers? You have who have a higher A dot and maybe a better chance for a bigger game. But isn't the Sim factoring those dynamics in? Like, should we just be trusting that and being like, you know what? The numbers are the numbers. It's fucking okay to play two tight ends. Yeah, I think you're you're right. But again, like I think we're in the, the chat GPT stage of Sims too, where yeah. they're not they're not like dead on accurate because the field's not dead on accurate. And so I would say that tight end one is a good one to to I, I know better than because they have to get those combinations in the in the tight end flex like dead on accurate to know like, oh no, it, it, even though it's really popular, it's still really a good a really good play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and it, but, but if they are right, Pete, yeah, you should just let it, let the, let the Sims do it and just say they, it knows better than I do. But like, I think spots like that or something similar are perfectly valid to go like, because you're still using the Sims, right? You're just going to drop down some lineups and replace it with other lineups. The same Sim thinks is good, but just not as good. And if you look at wh- however you're ranking them, let's just say ROI, like it's yeah. like you know whatever 100 you know 101.3 to 101.2 in that that lineup didn't make it in like but it's still very close to the one top 150 so i don't think it kills you either way yeah i think i've actually seen this question twice consiglier i don't know if it was you in the discord who asked this one too but is there a way to simulate on standard deviation rather than median projection i mean i don't know why you would even attempt that like there'll be a standard deviation in your sims output somewhere um so you uh well i'm just talking about like if you're using r or whatever but there might be in some of these sites too and then you could um yeah yeah i'm pretty sure that's what saber sims does like they have like a risk adjusted roi which 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 counts like how um how much standard deviation per lineup or something like that it uses so yeah you you there will be a standard deviation um, output in your sim, and then you can adjust. Like you could, you could say like no more standard deviation than X, or maybe you want to land a standard deviation. You know, I don't, I don't know what he's trying to achieve, but you could easily and then adjust that because like it's, it's just you just want a bunch of lineups and then sorting them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's right. like the output is just a bunch of lineups in any sim. Like it doesn't yep. matter. It's just a bunch of names. So you could sort it however you want. ROI, non-ROI, standard deviation, you know, yeah. what, whatever. Yeah. What, how I've been using it both when I use like run the Sims for showdown slates. And when I use the solver for main slates and, you know, running a bunch, looking at how they grade out. And then what I'm doing is instead of like almost trying to like bully it, I'm then using the filter to find like, okay, I want some Derrick Henry lineups or whatever, using that filter. What are the best lineups that include Derrick Henry? And then finding a lineup that the Sim already likes that I'm not necessarily putting, but it's like, I kind of want this player. I like this guy. I want to root for him or whatever in my lineup. And then picking out the best ones. And that's been, you know, kind of working out for me as opposed to being like, I tried it a few times where it's like, I'm going to lock button these four players I like and then see the best lineups around it. I've had far less success going that route. I think that's a totally uh, valid, valid. I think that's way better than, uh, you know, on your, on the, on the shitter making a lineup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you want, you want like, you know, you want Henry and Travis Kelsey cause Taylor's going to the game. So you right. go that what's the top Taylor Henry in in yes. this this highly ranked lineup from the sim product that, or I'm using or making myself. Right. Although I think Stomp here is right. So much run around with sims and optimizers. I think it boils down to just playing the most lineups you can and not being an <laughs> idiot. We've come full circle. I don't even think this comment is said in jest. I think we just got hit with if I had 150 lineups and played the best plays, I would win too. I think we just came back to that. 
I think that meta has has honestly run its course. Like, I don't see it ever anymore. Be- I think it's because the games are so fucking hard that so many people who thought they could just enter 150 just lost their ass. They're like, oh, I guess it. I guess I shouldn't have done that. And yeah. it's just like no one even thinks it anymore. Like may- maybe you you maybe you get more dummies in your mentions than me, but I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I have it. I mean, we keep, we were talking about it on the swole cast yesterday and there's like the middle IQ stuff and the left of IQ at it, where it's like, it does feel like we are in that, that scenario with a lot of things too, where it is like the middle IQ, just like overthinking things in the wrong way. And that where like the brain, big brain players and the idiots kind of arrive on the same conclusion that like, just play the best guys, you know, they score the most points. What, what has been your, like the consensus amongst the guys swolecast chip chasing whatever and this year's kind of chalk going off and um and like last last week with henry being coming in at almost 30 percent owned and stuff like that so you know what is funny about that because i guess i've thought about it a little bit and i remember because last year we had a crazy chalk year too right where the chalk was just hitting at a pretty high rate and i think at least just from my perspective I was fighting against it so much. I wasn't using Sims to make better lineups. And, you know, I was probably over leveraged in general. I was doing two galaxy brain. I was going too far off the board to be a GPP bro. And so the chalk hitting was just massively tilting this year. I think I'm playing better. I'm playing more chalk. I'm playing better projected lineups. And some of that chalk hitting isn't as tilting to me because it's in my fucking lineup. So that's kind of my, my consensus. Like even, you know, Davis is using the Sims. Everyone's like making better lineups. And so when the chalk hits, it's like, yeah, no, I had some of that. So I mean, that's my only read on it is that like the Sims have collectively helped people make less, you know, poor lineups on the whole. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking variants still like more yeah. than the Sims. But man, if you go into the DK app and then go to players and sort by points, they're almost all the high owned guys. Like every fucking yeah. week, there'll be like one guy at one percent or something. But like it's just like at week in, week out, you just could sort by points and ownership, and pretty amazing. Well. I'll give you a good example, though, this week. And again, we were talking about this on the Swolecast. I also recommend, uh, if for some reason you don't normally watch the Swolecast, we had Ricky D on yesterday, so that was really fun to have him on. He even ran his Sims before we did the show, so got some uh, actual uh, good information in there. Um, and now I'm forgetting what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. No, so this week on that example, I was like, Kyron Williams is going to be super popular, right? Comes back, drops 40 points, basically getting a workload like CMC. What's not to like and we were talking about and they're like oh no he's gonna be mega owned i see etr's projections come out and i see their ownership projection and they they have him buried like they don't have a good projection on him they have his ownership it came in at like three percent in small field and to me that is still one of those classic examples of like old school dfs right you just jam the guy who just crushed just keep playing him and these days and now everyone's like well no now he's in a tough matchup uh, now there's other plays around him that are probably better from a game theory perspective. And now I'm looking at Kyron and it's like, he might come off a 40 ball and be 5% if ETR drives the market as their projections indicate. I mean, what did they have him that low? Yeah. It's very low. Uh, oh. cause I, I was, I was shocked when I, uh, came when in I at pulled it like up. 18, I think, right? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking about for projected for this week. Oh, for this week. I'm saying that I assumed he was going to be projecting for much higher and they have him at like 5% ownership coming off of a 40 burger. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were talking about last week. Okay. No, no, no. I think. Wow. Yeah. No, I I would expect him to be, to be much. What's his salary at though this year, this week? Yeah, it's, it's up, but not in like a crazy, uh, a crazy way. But then this goes back to, like how the ownership projections initially get made, right? Because I think what you have happening is they have a a lower projection than maybe I would have assumed. And then when they're spitting all those out, it's like, well, Kyron isn't actually popping because this is actually a a loaded running back slate. There's a ton of good plays. Obviously, Zach Moss is going to chew up a shit ton of ownership. So I think their ownership is tailing off of that. But then I'm still like, are people not going to want to play the guy that just scored 40 points? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'll, Here, be, he'll, be higher, he'll be higher than that. They have he'll, Kyron right now um, projected for 15.9 DraftKings points, a $7,200 salary, 
uh, 2.9% small field ownership. Hmm. I mean, it is the Rams. Yeah. Like they've been playing like shit, but Stafford's still back, right? Like he'll play this week. Yeah. He's good. Everybody's, everybody's good. Yeah. He'll probably be higher than that. I I didn't do mine. I didn't uh, do mine. I wonder what I'm going to get. I'll, when I figure it out, I'll tell you, but yeah. Yeah. Then you actually made me think of a couple things I want to add now. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To the, to the positional chain, like um, how much is there positionally? Yeah. That week definitely matters. Um, I don't think I have that in there. Because I, I did start thinking about that this week with the Zach Moss stuff because I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we've had like the free square week yet this year where there's that like backup running back or a guy who's egregiously mispriced that it's like he shows up in 100% of everything. Like, and that's what we're headed to here with Zach Moss. We had those Deontay Foreman weeks, but like no one knew who was going to play really. Yeah. He didn't go, um, he did pretty well actually, but, um, uh... No one, no one even played him. Um, who else? Was there? There was no, no others, huh? Because we've had some like Zach popular. Moss? There was the Raheem Mostert week when like HN was out, but he was still priced up. Like he was still like a sixty-two or sixty-three hundred. Like Zach Moss, a bell cow level workload at forty-six hundred. The like the true everyone says free square. I, I don't think we've had that yet this year. Well, I mean, we had Zach Moss, didn't we? But uh, not at that price. Uh, okay. Because he was he was at that when JT was out, and so okay. the, the prices came out assuming JT was good. Then the thumb injury. Because if he his price would have been like sixty eight hundred if they would have known Jonathan Taylor would have been out. So he's mispriced by over two thousand dollars. In those first that first week with Zach Moss too, I always thought like whenever I see Zach Moss, I'm like, ah, there's a chance this guy might not might not play. I'm yeah. always still thinking about the Bills, Zach Moss. And then if you look Sorry. at like Singletary the last few weeks, speaking of running backs. Yeah. And and he came in way over. Did he? Yeah. He was, I think uh, ETR had him at like 20% and 30%. And he came in at like 40 both times or something like that. There was oh, a gosh. lot of high running backs this year. So like that Mozart one year came, uh, one week came in at like 45 or 50 almost. Um, yeah. Well, well higher than his projections. Montgomery came in over 41, well higher than his projected ownership. Yeah. Um, and then Henry this week. But then JT goes almost ha- like half of what he was projected. So strange. Yeah, I can't. The The other ones I was just going to try to make sense of, like back to the Sim thing, do you think because people are using the guardrails of the Sims at a higher clip that they're not galaxy branding themselves off of these really good chalk plays quite as much. And now they're coming in actually higher than okay. they initially were. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So like, you know, 2017 to 2021 or two, everyone's using an optimizer and they know they have to bully it. Like it's not going to give you good lineups unless you do something like pretty much yeah. every media, you know, mediocre or better player knows that. So like, that's the meta. So, like, what do you do? You just, like, go to ownership. You chop it off. I don't want any more of this ownership. Uh, this guy's high, so I won't use him, right? Just, yeah. like, that's how everyone played. And then now you think the Sims are the shit, um, and so you just listen to them. Right. It, it, like, I think psychologically for me, right, where it's, like, it was so easy for GPP bro Pete to be, like, ah, oh, 90% Zach Moss. I'll fade it, dude. And if he gets injured, I'll be, you know, sprinting to the podium with all my money. And now you run the Sims, and you're, like, holy shit, no matter what way I slice this, Zach Moss is in every single goddamn lineup. I just docked his projection by six points, and he's still showing up in every single thing. And then you're, like, okay, I'm just going to play Zach Moss, and I'll get unique elsewhere. Like, yeah. I didn't have that guardrail before. Yep. Yeah, you'd you'd have to like remove him from the pool, or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, the Sims are like, no, no, no. He's this is the guy. This is this is the guy because the Sims are way chalkier than people played, generally speaking. Yes. Um, right now, in this iteration of publicly available Sims, we'll yeah. we'll see what it looks like later. Um, I I think that is a good call. I, uh, so I mean, I think I started this by saying this this part of the discussion that. I don't think the Sims, I think it's just very instant, but I think you're convincing me that maybe some of the, the ownership 
is is directly affected by the Sims, but more specifically, people just not people trusting the Sims probably probably too much. Right. Yeah, because there is that whole thing, right, where people now read it because it is new, right? Probably in the same way when optimizers first came out, right? It's just like you spit out 150 and you make money. It, that people now think the Sims are the skeleton key. It tells me I have a projected 130% ROI on this lineup. I can't lose. You know, still not understanding exactly that it's only as good as the input. It's only as good as the field that's being projected. All of that stuff in that hypothetical set. Yeah, it's a great lineup, but that's not exactly how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it depends on like the sim you're using and how you're doing it too. Like, what is it comparing? Um, Cause like if you give it shitty lineups to compare to a field, even if that field's good, like your lineups are still going to suck. So like um, there's a lot of, there's a lot more like, what is, what is the word? Like handholding or, you know, bullying the sim that you probably should do, especially with these, these public ones. They expect you to. I talked to Matt, you know, we had him on the show, Saber Sims guy, and um, I've DM'd him a bunch of times since then. And they expect you to to mess with the settings. Like that's your that's right. your that's your part of the deal is to mess yeah. with the settings. And you 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 I would say you definitely you definitely should. I think actually everyone should just not do Sims. <laughs> We're back to that. No, it, it is true because I'll get comments in the Discord too of like someone showed a lineup that it was a really good lineup made money. And he was like, the Sims hated this lineup, you know, and, uh, or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, you were probably higher on the, I was like, basically what I was saying is if you want the Sims to like your lineup, you need to go in and boost the projection for the player. Cause then the sim will like it. It'll say, Oh, it's actually projected for more points. It's like, you can make the Sims give your lineups and your plays a better score. If you go manually adjust the projection, if you want to trust your projections, then you also have to be able to deal with what the, the sim is saying it likes. It's true. Yeah. If it, it, it can think your lineup's good. If you just tell it, no, no, this is really good play. Um, and you might have to do that too. At some, at some point, like, um, yeah, like an like a late injury news or something you're like okay i just gotta get this guy in as many lamps as i want and just jack it up so there's something to at least sort by like Jokic last night in uh nba he um he was getting like no ownership because he's so expensive and um he ended up scoring like 800 points <laughs> but like you like there's no way you would get him in your sim like because he just just like nothing you could do unless you like physically boost them up to like an 80, 90 point projection. It's funny you say that because I've been thinking about that um, with showdown NFL specifically how, you know, you can run these Sims and like some of the guys that are just, you know, that dynamic happens all the time, right? Like someone's too expensive for like what their role is or another guy's now back in the lineup and he's in like that dead zone of like a $7,500 price tag. And like, he's just not going to show up. The math is saying we can't get this guy in and stuff in as many projected points as we like. And yet using these Sims, and I do this now on run the Sims where I'll be like, no, include this guy in the flex and then give me the best lineups around it. And they're not going to grade out with as good of a ROI as the rest of the set, because this guy is a bad play. But then thinking like, if so many people are using these tools, using these projections, it's like lock buttoning the guy that doesn't show up in like hundreds of, of Sims is actually like probably a really good strategy on the, you know, the small, you know, showdown type slates where you only have six players in your lineup. Yeah. If you, if you were a brain player before, I don't know why you wouldn't continue, continue to be even like, just use the Sim to leverage your your skill. Yeah. That's exactly what you, I think you should continue to do. Um, it, it would just give you more like data on those lineups and the lineups that you like, and maybe give you some other iterations of that lineup that might actually be better than what you could have built by hand or with an optimizer. I mean that I had, I had my best showdown slate of uh, the year on, was it Monday? Whatever that bears Vikings game was, I was, I was tied for first in the huge play action uh, until the final Cairo Santos click and it uh, kick and it dropped me down a little bit, but that was one too, where I was looking at the Sims and like the owner and everything was like jamming Dobbs and fields. And I like, I really love the spot for Jordan Addison and DJ Moore. And so I literally just ran only lineups that had DJ Moore and Jordan Addison, and then use the Sim to tell me what are the best, you know, lineups around that. I wasn't like IK being, I was just like, I'm locking these captains. And it was 
it lined up well in that. I thought those were the best and the field wasn't going to go there. Sometimes it doesn't line up like that. It's like what the field's doing. I'm like, yeah, that seems like the best. But using that of just being like, I'm going to, I don't think this is a bad pivot and I'm going to make this my stand on this slate ended up giving me like a pretty unique lineup set, I think. I made an uh, I know better play on that slate too. Did you? I had I had it gave me twenty eight percent of Vellis Jones Jr. <laughs> that you got an IKV over that. And I, and although I think he's hilarious, the name's hilarious, and uh, like I think he's got like a fifty percent fumble rate. You know, like the guy every time the guy yeah. touches it. Well, he had that play earlier this year, right? Wasn't he like sitting down in the end zone and the ball like came right into him right. and it just like rolls off of him? That wasn't his first one either. I think he's had a bunch. Yeah. The uh, that Bears front office has got to be the worst in the league, um, or one of them. And uh, so I dropped him down to like a um, a gentleman's like nine percent <laughs> because he still he still was like projected like one 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 or something. Yeah. Um, and when you're playing 150 and trying not to dupe, like you're gonna have to play some Velas Jones Jr. guys occasionally in your 150 set, even though it's gross and you hate it. But like, if he kick returns one, he doesn't fumble. And kick returns. Um, that's you know a two hundred dollar guy who's got like eight points right there, you know, or a sixth uh, for a kick return. But you know, what I mean, hopefully he catches a ball. Yeah. One thing that's like really now is I think through more of that Monday showdown slate being really interesting. Um, you know, if you just ran optimals and you weren't using a sim and you were just using projections, you were going to get a ton of like five one and four two Vikings because they were the favorite. That team total flowed into their projections. You were going to get more. Vikings, but then you would run the Sims. Like I ran it on run the Sims and I was getting a ton of highly graded out ROI on Chicago bears onslaughts, five, one, four, two, where you essentially flip it. And you're saying, what if I onslaught the, the slight underdog there? So that's like the evolution of like the projections get you this, then the Sims get you on uh constructions with a higher ROI when it does hit. And then the final level is what you're talking about. Then the brain play, what are, what are your takes? What can differentiate you from that subset? that the SIM users are just blindly following. Sure. I mean, I, I would say I'm showdown. I don't know how much brain playing you should be doing, honestly. Like, Just let me cook, Brian. Let me I mean, bad boy. You still – I mean, I guess you still should. Like, uh, I just, It's just like – because you just want like – you want good lineups that aren't going to be duped as often as they should. That's what showdown's all about, in my opinion. I, I, you know, I'm not the best showdown player in the world, but I think if you could sum up how to play DFS showdown, that's it. Just you want good lineups that are not duped as much as they should by a lot. Like if you can get a yeah. lineup that should be duped 20 times, three times, like you're doing good. Like and but it's showdown, and you're only going to win once every two years, you know, or so. I mean, yeah. those type of lineups, anyways. So like. Um, like you still want to do that. You still want to have that in, in, in your showdown more so where you could, I know better in classic, you know, a million different ways, I would say. True. But like in showdown, like you start, I think start with that. And then after that, then if you want that Sims telling you bears onslaughts are better, and then you want to do your brain plays on top of that, have at it, but you, right. you don't want to just make dog shit lineups cause they're not going to be duped. And you don't want to just make chalk lineups that turn out to get duped a hundred times because you're dead either way, those, those ways. Right. So like you still have to be in that middle ground for showdown. Yeah. Um, all right. couple questions in the chat here. Uh, Scorpion, what is a bad amount of dupes on a showdown? Brian, do you have any general rule of thumb you like? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, anything under five, you're probably, you're probably good. It's tough to say, like, if you could, you want, you just want a lineup that's not, duped as much as it should be so that could be 20 it's all relative to how good the lineup is yeah it's all relative how much often that lineup would win um so like i wouldn't even you know what i like to look at is like the top the top edge is like am i not getting those you know 150 300 500 dupe ones for sure you don't want those in my opinion i guess there's spots where they could be it just so like so obvious, you know, 220 time dupe lineup is just so good on that slate. Um, and maybe this new meta of people all knowing this now, they didn't know it when this show started, you know, three years ago. And so like maybe that meta is actually forcing people to go down and play worse lineups. And now some of those chalk lineups are a little bit better. So that, that could be happening too. Um, but yeah, I would say um, 
under five would be like something to shoot for. And, and like, you know, if you get 10, you get 20, it's not the end of the world. And it depends on how many lamps you're playing. Like, you know, when you play 150 lamps, you got more shots to be, make a mistake and your lamps going to get duped. But like, I think there's good players who play under three, like Osmo and, and a lot of good players who play like they average around like eight dupes or 10 dupes even, you know, or maybe even more. And their ROIs are still there. And wouldn't you say, isn't it almost like a, like a risk tolerance thing where like Osmo's chart is going to look more like dot, 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 boom. And then if you're eating eight to 10 dupes, you're going to not, your swings aren't going to be as big. Yeah. Assuming the same ROI, that's exactly what theoretically should happen. Yeah. 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 And he was in first, uh, last one or one of them. I went to look at my lineups. He was soloing for 500,000 and, uh, didn't end up that way. I think it was the Bears game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the real question. Everyone wants to know what is Brick's highest scoring best ball lineup? You could actually pull this up and don't even, I didn't, I'm going to look now, but I didn't get 150 in on underdog. I only got 150 in on, uh, DraftKings, but let's see. I did Hang twenty. I, I I can I can just pull up my buddy Patrick's site here. I don't trust Brian. I verify on the blockchain <laughs> here. <laughs> you don't even trust but verify. You don't trust. I don't trust you. Yeah, I knew you were gonna lie. You're gonna say you know seventeen thousand points. Uh, here's your best team, Brian. Okay. The J- oh, the CJ Stroud slappy strikes again, but no tell. You you don't have this guy stacked up. This is the robot drafted this one. <laughs> what a player. <laughs> See, I knew it would just outscore, not stacking him. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and you got to imagine some of these drafts, too, were in the beta stages of t- just to see if the, <laughs> yeah. the app yeah. would work. And it, and it wouldn't a lot of the time. So, like, the lines were just garbage. Yeah. Hey, this is a good advance rate, Brian. 27%. I'd kill for a 27% advance rate um yes that's right it's six out of twelve that's what according to my data that's also yeah. what that says yeah so brian so do you know six out of twelve. do you know what i want for uh for brick 75 uh com and the draft caddy i want something like this but for weekly battle royales where you can upload your csv like of your teams and i know there's some like um, blunt tools that kind of do this with Excel stuff, but where you could like search for various combinations. You could like quickly see what are all my CJ Stroud teams for this week, like a screener for your portfolio. Cause a lot of the times, right. It's kind of like you're drafting, you're drafting, forget which combos do I have. I want to actually now mix and match CJ Stroud with this tight end, et cetera, to have like a really easy way to screen through that. Hmm. We could probably pull the problem. We, the last thing we looked at, and I'm trying not to do any upgrades because we don't have many subs during the season like we do in the off season. Even though it's really cool for Battle Royale, people should. It is. If it doesn't fill, I'm I'm going to max it each week on Sunday, but it's been filling so fast. So hopefully this week I can max it again. Um, but uh, uh, we were going to add uh, just like your ROI, like your like a like a real cheap roto tracker for it. But yes. like the data that they provide on that on that page is like it's it's not um doesn't have enough info on it to like make any ROI calculations and stuff. Yeah, we need I need to talk with Underdog and like there needs to be a better like CSV export for yeah. for your your contests and stuff so you could have a better idea of like yeah. That would be perfect. And then the other thing I wanted to do was add um like the track of like the dr- the draft percentage of yeah. like who's drafted that week. And yeah. so like, if you're on our app, you could just click, uh, I agree. And then we'll, then we would scrape your data and our day and everyone's data who agrees and opt in and then opt in. And then we know like, you know, DJ Metcalf's drafted in 77% of lineups so far this week. But again, when we looked at that, there's not enough info on the, the pages like the post draft page to like yeah. to discern enough information. Yeah. It's, it's basically like a more systemized version of what some of the guys in the badge bros, Chad Mashkey has been doing where people post their draft boards and then they, right. they input it. It would just make it a, a lot easier if you could scrape it. Right. Like you'd have to go into the draft board somehow. And like, yeah, there's just not enough to scrape. 
but that would be cool and like crowdsource it. And then, and then I was thinking there'd be more like, then you could crowdsource more stuff too, like what opponents like behaviors like poker, poker tracker. Like, yeah. um, you know, like this guy drafts this style or this play or something, you know, whatever, who knows what you'd want yeah. to populate. But um, once you store that data, you have a lot of cool stuff you could do. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff and uh, tons of fun contests up in the, uh, the lobby this week too. Obviously the battle Royale we're up to, uh, we got that $30,000 top prize. I put this on Twitter just cause I know sometimes we, we always complain like collectively as fantasy DFS players about not having uh, flat payout structures. This is about one of the smoothest payout structures you can get for a tournament of this size, 30,000, 20,000, 15,000, 10,000, 8,000, 7,000. So, you know, 10th, uh, place exactly uh, 10% of first, just a really nice structure. If you're getting volume in here, how did they pull this off? Did they raise the amount of entance or did they raise the cash level? That's a good question. I should what actually was the cash ask level last, last week. Does anyone know? Um, yeah, I I'm not sure yet. Uh, 11,000. So it's Out like 67. That's pretty low, right? Like, yeah, it's a little over. Yeah. The min cash line is pretty low. Yeah, 11, what is 11,000 divided by 67? Five. Yeah. What is that, like 12 or 13? It is 16%. 16%. So it's normally 20, yeah. right? Or 25? Yeah. But I think this I, is how I, think I would I'm prefer fine with that. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. In, to, to me, again, my, my whole thing, like if you're playing the Battle Royale with 67,500 entrants, you're trying to finish top 10. You right. know, like, that's what you're trying to do. If you are wanting the smaller ones, uh, you know, the one I've been getting some entries into right now, like you have the hurry up here. This is a 20 entry max, $3, uh, 20 max, 1K to first. And what is, what's a 750 divided by 3,500? This is, you know, over 21% min cash, you know? So like, if you want to play the smaller stakes for the min cash, like these 20 maxes and smaller tournaments are where you go play. So in NBA DK this week, yesterday, last two days, I took 11th both times, right? Which is basically a kick in the fucking nuts. So 11th, first place is 100K. What did I get for 11th yesterday? Take a oh, guess. No. 5K? $700. Oh, what? 700 for 11th? Holy shit. So that's a kick in the dick. <laughs> just to show you the differences there. And then the night before, I actually, uh, the morning of, I wake up, Greg Ehrenberg DM me uh, last night, but I fell asleep already. Uh, all right. I'm an old man. Greg's probably stays up till, uh, you know, wee hours in the morning. Um, and so I'm like, what happened? And he goes, oh, there was a stat change. Um, because he, I guess me and him were tied for third or something like that. Or And uh, stat change dropped me from third to 11th. So third wow. was like 20 grand. 11th, 700 Dude. bucks again. But you were sleeping while that all transpired? So it didn't hurt that bad. That psychologically, that's how you want it. Right. Yeah. I, but, was, I mean, uh, it's still just like, you gotta be fucking kidding. Like, like you got you got to take, you got to take first. And so with the, this, this payout structure, what would, what would I have gotten uh, for seventh in this 30K to first, not even $5 entry, not 15 or 20 or whatever. For seventh, you would have gotten $6,000. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, that. would I rather have 16% cash rate or 20, 20, 20, 25% cash rate? Yeah. DraftKings is set up for like the lowest common denominator, right? The dummy, the dummies of the dummies. Like, you know, like they, they don't, they, they want them to feel better about min caching, you know, and having a, like a chance to do it again tomorrow right. and also win the hundred K, you know, like I see a hundred K. So I enter type of people not thinking about payout structure, anything like that. Late swap, same thing. They should get rid of it because it helps these dummies, but the dummies will complain too much. So they keep it. Yeah. Dude, the, the, uh, the stat correction thing made me think again on Monday night. I think it was because of that lateral at the end of the game, DraftKings, you know, they normally pay out what, like an hour, hour and a half after they didn't pay out until the morning. I think it was like yeah. 9 AM. Cause I think they were waiting on that stat correction to see if something counted as a fumble or whatever. Uh, a guy heard nation in my discord who got first in the big $1, you know, really nice score. He had like 
think like 30 bucks in play or a little more than that and won four thousand dollars on that slate and i was like i was praying for him because i'm like that's such a brutal sweat they have not paid out and you know one fumble one defensive oh, yeah. point like you're toast. You're just absolutely toast. It would have been agonizing. Yeah, but he he got it, I think, right? I don't he think did. They... they didn't change anything. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, to, to wake up and still have not received the money uh, in your account, it's like, come yeah. on. So that, that the two days ago when I went from third to 11th, second place in my spot, I think the difference was like three points, like 3.25. Okay. So it's like um, – there's just so much variance. It's insane. So I, I don't I applaud it. I like it. I like it. I don't know how everyone else feels, but as long as they got games going on, I maybe I'll even try a Saturday uh, underdog. I guess Ooh. I guess you got it. I mean, the big thing I've noticed on that battle royale, royale is is the questionable guys. Yep. But like, it feels like such an advantage to me to just wait until Sunday, know they're gonna play or get like some date like more certain news, and now you got a guy who's gone five percent drafted who's now. Should have been ninety five percent drafted, one hundred and fiftieth on Sunday. It feels just like too big of an advantage to draft earlier in the week to me. I agree with you. the 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 counter people will say is like the combos you can get really early in the week. I the point I really strongly agree with you on is because a lot of people like using the Q tag for like the free swap. So the example is Jonathan Taylor this week before he was officially ruled out with the thumb surgery or whatever. He was, you could just take him in the last round. And then if he's ruled out, you just set up your ranks to where Zach Moss auto swaps into him. And this would have to assume that Zach Moss wasn't selected in that draft. The problem as you're describing is Zach Moss is going to be hundred percent rostered or close to in the contest. So like that swap, even though you're not like sacrificing a ton of projected points, like you're not getting like a super unique piece. And often the piece you're swapping into is just a chalk piece that's taken in a large chunk of the contest. So it's not as big of an advantage as I think sometimes people think. So I think this is how ignorant I am. I didn't even know you're, you're talking about underdog, right? Yes. You So if your guy gets ruled out, you get a, you get a swap. If he has a Q tag. So and like right when now you drafted him. Yeah. Like, so as an example, right now, Dallas Goddard has a doubtful tag. Um, if you draft him, you're not going to get, uh, the swap, but early in the week, JT, before he was ruled out, had a Q tag. And so if you draft a guy that has the Q tag at the time and they're later ruled out. So like example on the Thanksgiving slate, I drafted a ton of Luke Musgrave and then he got scratched. I just put Tucker craft, their backup Packers at the top. And so all those teams automatically swapped to Tucker craft. Okay. I did not know that. That's interesting. Okay. So, so you could still draft. You, you could still draft two guys. It's not the end of the world. Doubtful guys. Of course, no one's drafting them. I do think that you do then have to be intentional about the swap because, Brian, all of a sudden, like, say in a situation like that, especially at a thinner position like tight end or quarterback, where like the next man up that everyone's swapping to is going to be the same, like that first swap candidate is probably becomes an awful selection because the field is auto swapping to it if you didn't manually reset your swap ranks. So like you need to intentionally be like, I don't mm. want the next man up in ADP. Maybe I go two down because that guy's not being going to be auto swapped by the field. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I didn't even know it existed. So <laughs> there you go, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. And I'm yeah. assuming that does not happen in season long, right? No, no, no. It's it because they don't, I don't even think like in the season long drafts they'll have like they'll put like the red well, injured two thing tags, i think isn't that uh, not for like when you're drafting a team in like the summer like no one has because like the q tag is from the official like nfl reporting from like practice i might be thinking of DraftKings, yeah but i remember seeing q tags yeah and drafters too i think has q tags okay so maybe i'm wrong i think that would be kind of cool to add a q tag like if you take they just put a q tag on I don't know, or somebody who's like, I, um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that wouldn't be useful. But I'm thinking like somebody gets hurt in a preseason game or something, or in mini camp, mini yeah. camp. But they're probably going to play, but you're not sure. Like, well, that whole week's kind of weird now that people are drafting, waiting for a week or two to find out. Yeah. Well, it's it's the same dynamic as the battle royales, except instead of being condensed into one week of that playing out, it's playing out over four months. Right. Yeah. Or, but also like the, the, the game of, well, I'm going to take a risk and no one's going to have them. Yeah. You know, can happen sometimes too. Um, yeah, I definitely, 
I definitely have got like I'm now thinking um about like season long best ball contests like much differently from having now played a ton more battle royale and yeah. realizing how lazy I was getting at the end of my drafts yep. in season long compared to how I'm so vigilant when I draft my battle royales and I'm like god I <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see the boarding completely differently next year which is dumb because I should have always been seeing it like that right. but it took getting so into the weeds on this to realize how much I need to alter my end of draft strategy hell yeah like rounds like 15 on even like maybe even yeah. earlier um yeah like if you're if you're sitting there taking uh, and uh, this has been so long. Who would be like a 14th round pick? It was like Alec Pierce, like the dust okay, ball yeah. on the He's Colts. getting yeah. picked a hundred percent of the time in yep. rounds 14, 15, 16. Why are you taking this guy? I, you I never take right. him. And you always take <laughs> Jalen Warren or some guy you like. You take Josh Jowds instead. So you take, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. Or Jalen um, Warren two years ago, who you used to like, um, you're right? acting like I turned on him. <laughs> you no, no. I mean, like I meant him. like you <laughs> liked him at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But now but you're like, a Najee guy. If you had your draft strategy now, but your Jalen Warren take two years ago, you would have been you would have been way overboard on him. Yeah. Oh, but he he he's kind of sucked though two years ago, didn't he? Yeah. I can't even remember. These seasons all kind of blend into one, but um, all right, Brian. Good, good talk. Classic uh episode of Lulz. I gotta get uh running here today, tonight. We will have the uh the ship cast over on uh ship chasing. Davis is actually gonna be joining us. He's the uh the world's biggest cowboys fan, people do forget. Um, he splits his fandom between the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Don't ever let him wiggle out of that one. Uh so that'll be at 815. We'll get some pick'em uh sweats up on uh Twitter here in a little bit. Brian, uh, what do you got going on at Brick 75? Other than people needing to check out the draft caddy if you want to uh to have a nice way to draft a bunch of teams in volume. Yeah, draft caddy, it's still it works for Battle Royale. I use it. Um gonna use it this week for sure. Uh I'm gonna listen to the Swolecast after this. I still haven't listened you to should. it. Yeah, I need, I need a Ricky coming out this week. Um, yeah, and uh I'm gonna have NFL ownership and, and projections this week. Use at your own risk. Um, they're trying to be better and then the industry standard, but no guarantees. And then if they are really good, now I'm going to take them down. So <laughs> use them now. I already used this joke on uh, Swolecast, but Brian, you providing these uh, these DFS ownership projections, it's your version of DFS effective altruism, right? That's that's <laughs> right. Yeah. It's yeah. going to turn out just as well, probably, Pete. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thank you to everyone hanging out in the chat. Apologies to those of you who showed up 30 minutes early, uh, only to get rugged uh, by me fat fingering the start time. Appreciate Tyler as always, uh, you know, trying to drum up some more likes, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Brian and I are here every Thursday at 1 30 PM Eastern, despite when I ever set the start time, who knows, maybe we'll get a guest next week. Maybe we'll just continue to raw dog it together for 60 minutes. <laughs> That's how you bring things full circle. We'll see you guys next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.